Welcome to episode 53 of the Citizen Hustle podcast. In this interview, I interview Dr. Ryan Nolan, scientist, dentist, and entrepreneur. He is a CEO of the company Elemental Oral Care with an alternative to fluoride therapy. If you're into health or entrepreneurship, you're going to love this interview. Thanks for listening. I was like, okay. oh, like, but I, I've been thinking about getting back into it, honestly. It's just a matter of like, time i think that's the thing that i have the most constrictions on right now it's just my time um oh my gosh you're telling me what was your podcast about um biofilms which again is not the most popular topic so the whole podcast was about films about biology biofilms so like basically plaque essentially (laughs) so i got a bunch of like preventative experts on there okay i was talking to people about perio and caries and stuff but then, like, there, what what I also realized, okay, is there's only a handful of those people, so it was, like, really hard to keep it going. Yeah. So it was, like, it was too niche as well. Look, I a lot of people enjoyed it. I still have people who message me to this day. But it's just one of those things where it's like, all right, if I was going to do this again, I would have to make it a little bit more general dental. And I wouldn't be doing, like, just a super niche subset. You know what I mean? What was the name of the podcast? Uh, the biofilm factor. Okay, dude. Honestly, because the more I talk to you, I feel like you're also into like health and science. Yeah, I'm I'm into a lot of things, man. Dude, you can get. By the way, I, I drank some apple cider vinegar after we talked. Perfect. But you you need to get back into podcasting because I just heard your podcast with who's that Australian girl? Is like talk Emma, to me, Emma Cubis. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, you already listened to that. Oh, okay, that dropped today, man. Oh, dude, I'm such a loser that I listen to it the same day. <laughs> no, it's all good. No, it's just – no, I recorded that – I want to say it was in December. But, like, the thing is, is it's funny because, um, yeah, like, I I really do enjoy doing it. And, you know, since, since I stopped doing it, I've kind of gone on a lot of other podcasts. Okay. And it's just been – you know, that's that's still a lot of fun for me. But, like, you know how it is. It's like, oh, man, I really should – start this and do something as well and then you know i can have other people that invite me on it onto my show and that 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 would make a lot of sense to me but oh yeah yeah, right now it's just a time thing man it's just a time thing so tell us real quick we've been recording for the past 20 minutes i have all your secrets um ryan nolan how the heck are you a dentist a scientist an entrepreneur and a male model. I'm I'm mad the video's not working because the person would love. But <laughs> well, the male you... model part, I mean, that's kind of self-explanatory. You know? Is that more pro um, bono work though? Yeah, it's more pro bono. <laughs> um, no, as far as so, okay, before I even got into dental school or was even thinking about dental school, like I took the DAT on a whim. I didn't study for the DAT. Okay, like I literally kind of so I was going for engineering, so chemical okay. engineering. Um, I ended up graduating with a degree in chemistry, so I didn't finish the chemi. But um, anyways, long story short, I had a talk with my dad. So this was after like right after 2008. Everyone's lost their jobs. Things were going really bad. And at the time, so he's an engineer and he's like, Ryan, we basically fired all of our engineers. Like you're going to have to do something else. I'm like, oh, this sucks. So the economy was not good for what I wanted to do, uh, which, you know, in, in terms of chemical engineers you typically end up as a petroleum engineer or like there's a a subset limited jobs that you can get and they were all letting people go in that sector so it was just bad timing so he goes look is there anything else you'd want to do i'd hate for you to be in this bad position 
So I said, look, let me let me shadow a couple of people because I'd always thought about medicine. So I shadowed like two or three different kinds of doctors, and I really ended up liking the dentistry. Um, I was a, like the kind of kid that like would take models and build stuff and like put it back together, and I was artistic. So I was like, okay, this is like really cool. Like I I I think this could work. So I took the DAT, literally just literally didn't study at all, didn't have any note cards, didn't have any study. So I did really well on the DAT. So I was like, okay, I guess that's step one. Like, you know, I did well, so I guess I should apply for dental school. So I'm literally applying for dental school, and I only applied for three. And um, I applied literally on the day of the deadline. Like, they're like, this is the final day you can apply. Like, yeah, it was crazy. So then I applied, and then I did end up getting an interview. I only got one interview. I didn't get any, uh, so just one. Then they accepted me. And then they messaged me and they're like, hey, by the way, um, we're so happy you accepted a, a, you know, a, a position in the program. Um, you're short of, uh, I think it was 22 hours of biology credits. You need this class, this class, this class, this class. Because I, I, was, I was trying to be a chemical engineer. So I had all the chemistry and math and all that stuff. I, I only took two biology classes. So I did like, I don't know. I went to three universities at the same time over the summer. They told me this in May. Wait, three universities at the same? Is it, are same they time. online? I was or literally you... taking tests in other class while I was in a, while I was in another class. Like it was insane. Are you um, driving to the where? What city was this? What? So I had two on actually two online and one in person. So like when I was doing it it online, I was literally taking tests online in the in person class. Like that's how little time I had. So twenty two credits and how long in one semester? Uh, less than three months. Less than three months. Cause I think it took me like me, four years to get 22 credits. Oh, my gosh. No, it didn't. No, <laughs> but, but basically, they told me in May that I needed to have all the credits done by August 1st or they'd have to, like, give my spot to somebody else. So I'm, like, rushing to take all these classes. Somehow I manage, okay? The other thing that was super dumb but almost also killed my chances at being in dental school I needed citizenship to get a loan for dental school. I got my citizenship like on August 10th. So I was like a day before I, I basically submitted my classes on the deadline, submitted my application on the deadline, submitted the DAT at the deadline and got my um, citizenship on the deadline. Like everything just lined up. I'm like, all right, well, this isn't a sign. I don't know what it is. Like, and you still got in. I still got in. You yeah. got to look at it this way, Ryan. There's other kids that study for years, take the DAT 14 times. You're the type of kid that didn't study, still got an A, and now you're bragging to everyone. <laughs> it made a lot of people really mad. Like, to be honest with you, sometimes people get upset about it, but like, I was just always really good at standardized tests. And I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm not good at everything, but I that was something that. I was good at, right? No, no, it's just the truth. So, and then as far as uh, you asked me about. Mm, like my background. So I had always been really interested and I did research in college on nanotechnology and specifically green chemistry. So like my whole interest was like, how do I turn like, you know, all this waste product into concrete, like that kind of stuff. Like, Oh, how do I make a solar cell to half the materials they're using right now? And it's, and make it non-toxic. So that's, that's what you were trying to figure out in college. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff I was doing. And so I did a bunch of random projects and, and crazy stuff, okay? 
And then when I got to dental school, I met one of my um, colleagues there and we we're talking and he's like, dude, with your background and, you know, my experience in business finance, like we can crush this. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. So we started out um, making like bonds in my apartment, like just crazy stuff, right? Like just absolutely dumb stuff. And then we ended up realizing that we could, with the research, um, make a hygiene system. So we started like going down this whole rabbit hole of silver nanoparticles. And yeah, like literally did a bunch of research, did some studies, and then ended up um, going to a bunch of manufacturers and pitching the idea to get funding. And we got funding. And, uh, you know, here I am five years later. Like, it's crazy. Like, the whole thing kind of, when I tell the story sometimes, I'm like, that's kind of hard to believe. So that's kind of I how don't, I got involved. I don't believe it, but I'll have to take your word for it. No, that's okay. You don't have to. I don't believe <laughs> it. You know? so, um, um, so I drive out of high school. So my question is, what is nanotechnology? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so pretty all-encompassing nanotechnology is the study of very small particles. Um, specifically... Um, we're looking sub-micron, so one micron is going to be 100 nanometers. Is that right? Hold on. I think it's either 100. No, no, sorry. One micron is 1,000 nanometers. 0.1 micron, I believe, is 100 nanometers. So it's basically like these particles that are 100 nanometers or less. The particles that I work on are 5 to 10 nanometers in size, so the diameter is 5 to 10 nanometers. And if anything I was an expert in, it would be synthesis. So like there's a ton of different stuff that you could technically like be like, oh, well, he studied this and this and this. That's true. Um, but the thing that I was particularly good at, or I should say that I spent the most time on, was trying to synthesize stuff. So basically taking A and B and C and making D, right? So like putting a bunch of inputs together and, and making a new material that didn't exist before. Um, and um, so basically, yeah, I um, I ended up doing a bunch of um different synthesis and believe it or not um this took years and i would come in every day uh into the lab trying to make a product for oral care and like i would literally come in and i would make like 500 samples like just test a bunch of stuff i would literally come in and the next day like every single one of them had failed okay so in nanotechnology, we look for different like parameters and we have different kinds of tests that we use to see if something is stable or not stable or like, hey, I made the right thing versus the wrong thing. And, you know, for years, I'm sitting there bashing my head against the wall. Um, it was that difficult to do. Like I would come in and it's like you're looking for the one container that didn't change color and everything else is just, you know, bad basically. So one day I come in. I had an idea for something. I kind of just woke up and I kind of knew what I wanted to do. And of course, like it was kind of one of those dream state things where I'm like, am I dreaming? And then anyways, so I do all this and then I come back and I'm like, no, no, that can't be right. Like this actually worked. I must have forgotten to add something. So this happened one day, two days, three days. And I'm like, no, dude, this worked. I cracked it. I cracked the code, you know? So... Yeah, long story short, I've done all sorts of testing on this stuff. Um, everything from toxicology to remineralization properties to um, dissolution to all sorts of stuff. You wouldn't believe it. But anyways, um, I 
I, yeah, I just spent so much time working on it and um, eventually cracked it and then um, applied for patents. And in August of 2022, I got my first patent on the synthesis process for our, our nano silver. So super exciting. And um, that's, yeah, that's where we're at. That's, so that's present day. What were you trying? So you're going to this lab for three, four years. Yeah. Were you trying to achieve an oral solution that would reduce the chance of cavities that wasn't traditional mouthwash? Pretty much. I mean, the thing is, is the goal is to make something that acts like super saliva by itself. So like if I could, dis- so basically the goal originally, the outcome I'm looking for, right? Saliva does everything in your mouth in terms of breaking down biofilm. It's got antibacterial enzymes. It's got remineralization. So it's got like calcium and phosphate stabilized within it. It's kind of this ingenious system okay so what happens is when people the number one risk for decay for example is dry mouth right so how do i give somebody who has really really bad dry mouth or a compromised situation basically like saliva on steroids okay well obviously we know xylitol can stimulate salivary flow but that by itself isn't going to be enough so we had to like basically think of a system that would replicate or emulate saliva um to the next level essentially so the nano silver and the combination of nano silver and calcium um when we've done some research on this it's really really fascinating but the original hypothesis which ended up being correct is that there is this biofilm and the biofilm that sticks to the surface of the tooth um, is basically secluding all this acidic material underneath it and it's developed a function by which it can seclude acid and other um, nutrients and things from the outside environment, okay? So basically, we did testing on whether or not the silver nanoparticles in combination with calcium would improve the direct flow of calcium to the area that is right at the tooth junction, which is like where all all this uh, thing called plaque fluid is, but essentially the acid, okay? And we found a four, I think it was 460% um, up to increased uptake of calcium with um, 10 parts per million of, na- of nanosilver. So basically what we figured out is that it was very effective at ripping holes and delivering the calcium. Um, and that was the original hypothesis is basically you want something that's going to work like saliva, but in a faster time rate. So aid saliva in basically doing its job, which is to break down the biofilm and to neutralize the acids much faster. So that was the original idea. Um, But what we ended up discovering was that there's actually these really interesting properties of these third generation, shall we say, plant-based nanoparticles that actually they attach to damaged sites. So areas that have already been damaged, and then they start making these little crystals um, to fill in the damaged areas. So it's actually remineralizing and it's delivering calcium at the same time. What's so it remineralizing with? Uh, the nanosilver and the calcium together. And the, so there's then silver in your tooth? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so basically it's not, uh, it's not an ionic substitution. Um, so like it's not like the... Um, silver itself, there are silver products that um, are ionic in nature where they'll make a substitution with like a calcium, for example. But um, 
what it is, and this is, again, it's a hypothetical reaction because we don't really know the actual details of it. We just know the outcome. The outcome is these little crystalline structures start start forming in the damaged parts of the tooth. So it starts kind of filling in the voids, for lack of a better word. Um, and what we think is that the actual nanoparticles are acting like a core for a crystal to build around. So I actually have a diagram in one of my studies. Maybe you can flash it when you um, release this, but it basically shows the theoretical mechanism of action of how the nanosilver and its plant-based coating is interacting with calcium and phosphate and forming new crystals in the damaged sites. It's really cool. So it's really something like when we did our research on this, we, we found a 256% improvement over fluoride, um, which, you know, I haven't gotten a ton of press on, but I'm hoping at some point people really pick up on this because, you know, it's one thing to be as good as fluoride, but it's another thing to um, beat fluoride in a study. Um, that doesn't happen very often. Um, so we were really excited about those results. Um, we've since replicated the study um, with a, a more concentrated version. Um, so a guy named uh, Tonali, he is a dentist in Mexico, and he did um, – he did some research on um, basically silver and calcium solution as a replacement for SDF and found some really interesting results as well. So we basically are at the point where we're trying to just learn more about it, right? Like what's happening, why is it happening? And, um, you know, it clearly works. So we are really, really excited about that because if we have an alternate, um, like an alternative mechanism of action, it gives you a lot more play, right? It's kind of like, okay, well, we know how fluoride works, but there's limitations on what fluoride can do. So what is a what is a better use case in this situation? Well, we might use nanosilver and calcium instead, um, or we might use them in combination to get better results because they have different ways of working, right? It's like an antibiotic, you know? Sometimes one antibiotic doesn't work, so you have another one, you know what I mean? Like you have to have like a plethora of options. Um, so yeah. So one of the articles you sent me earlier this week or last week talked about fluoride-resistant bacteria, and it kind of yes. makes me think of antibiotic-resistant bacteria, where yes. you made a post on Instagram talking about the negatives of monofluoride therapy. That's how I eventually reached out to you. Explain yeah. to the audience what that is and why it's a bad idea. So one of the things that has been like become obvious, okay? So like I'll give you an example of this. like. Okay, we already know about, like, antibiotic resistance, right? Um, you know, when HIV originally came out, they were treating it with one drug. And then over time, people would develop complete resistance to that, okay? So it just stopped working. And what they realized is you need a cocktail of drugs in order for you to kind of stop HIV. So here's what I think. I think biofilms are adapting and evolving at a very quick pace and a very rapid pace. They appear to be acting in even a multicellular fashion where their level of organization supersedes that of what you would call something that would be unintelligent, okay? Like, they clearly have ways of getting what they want and doing what they want regardless of what we're doing, okay? Which is super fascinating, and it's I could talk all day about that, but just put that aside for a second. Um, basically, when we're, we're, we're talking about fluoride and nanosilver and all these other things um, but specifically fluoride we're, we're looking at if we're using the fluoride by itself um, 
how does that impact the oral microbiome and how fast can the oral microbiome adapt to just that one chemical, okay? And it turns out it can adapt to it pretty fast. So what they found in, in some of the studies, there needs to be more studies, is one of the studies they actually performed on patients who had just gotten um, either, I think it was, um, they, they got uh, radiation therapy on head and neck and they were giving them topical fluoride and what they did is they sampled their oral microbiome and found that, you know, 20-30% of their oral microbiome was full of this fluoride-resistant organism. And um, it, it continued to grow for over 50 generations. So basically, even without fluoride present, the next 50 generations that they sampled or whatever still had fluoride resistance. And it wasn't just that they had fluoride resistance when they introduced, uh, and this was a separate study, but when they introduced to these organisms, these fluoride-resistant organisms, more fluoride, they made more dense biofilms. Um, they were able to make more and release more of what's called EPS, which is the defensive layer that keeps things in and out of the biofilm. And they actually became more pathogenic with an increase in fluoride, okay? So table that idea for a second. The thing that makes the most sense is if you're using something that is easier for an organism to get resistant to, and that organism can spread resistance to other organisms within the biofilm, hence like a multicellular type function, why wouldn't you use more than one agent in combination? Because to me, that's the easiest solution is, well, it's really easy to get resistant to maybe one thing but two, three, four things might be a lot more difficult. So one of the things that we've considered, which is, you know, if you look at xylitol, calcium, and the specific type of calcium we used, and nanosilver, they're all anti-biofilm agents. Every single one of them. So we'd call that a combination approach. So instead of just using fluoride, now you're using the properties of xylitol, which are going to help, you know, cleave some of the... Um, the bacteria away, it's going to reduce some of the S-mutans count and reduce the acidity. Then you're going to get the calcium, which can cause um, different kinds of effects on the biofilm, but one of them um, would be uh, causing an increase in stress, so different kinds of ATP release from different microorganisms. And then you have your nanosilver, which historically does have antimicrobial effects, but also has different effects in terms of affecting the membranes of bacteria and um, changing the way that they act. So all those things together make a lot more sense to me than just using one thing. And I, I prefer, if you know, the form of fluoride I prefer is actually topical because I think it makes the most sense. So I, I but if, if you're going to use combination therapy, what you're really doing is using multiple agents, either at the same time, different time, but not just one thing alone. Because if you use one thing alone, it's pretty clear that once the organisms develop resistance or, um, they become able to function with it, then that becomes a problem for us, which is the host, right? So anyways. So it kind of sounds like, and I'm only playing devil's advocate, that yeah. if you just stopped eating sugar, you wouldn't need fluoride or the your product to reduce cavities? I don't think so. I think the thing is, is I think what you have to understand, right? And this is just based off of NIH statistics. 
So the, the, the sugar is just an input and that's, that's just fuel, right? So depending on what fuel you have, obviously that's going to make a difference as a risk factor. But you're also going to get people like, like I'll give you an example. You're going to get people who have um, like sugary, really sugary diets and they come in and their teeth are perfect. And then you're going to have people who barely have any sugar and you're like, how do you still have decay every six months? I see you. So the thing is, is sugar is just, again, like, like I said, it's an input. Um, if other things are going wrong, if the patient's calcium salivary levels are low, if if they have other risk factors, if they're a mouth breather, if their diet sucks, and I'm not just talking about sugar, but like, um, you know, I've looked into a lot of different stuff. And one of the things I found is like vegans in particular are not, you know, they're very, very high risk for decay because they, they just don't have a lot of the, um, the things that they would need to support bone and, and tooth structure. Are they lacking vitamin K2? Yes, they are. Um, but they're, they're lacking vitamin D, vitamin K2. Um, a sense of humor. A sense of humor sometimes. I'm just kidding. Um, and then they have low protein as well. And so that can cause issues. And so I think for me is there is so much that we don't know, but it's not just the sugar. So if, if it was just sugar, then why do 92% of people have decay by the age of 20? Like, And I'm not saying that the general American diet is good by any means, but like these numbers are consistent across the board, no matter where you look. So I think what we need, and, and basically what I'm trying to get at here, is that depending on the kind of biofilm and how aggressive the organisms are in your mouth, even at birth, is going to determine a lot of your risk. And it has nothing to do with what you're eating necessarily, at least from if you're trying to isolate just one factor. I'd still say diet is a very big portion of your risk, but it's not everything. So I don't know if that makes sense, but it does. Um, is it possible? And I'm not trying to not sell your product and promote your company, no, but I'm thinking good. from like, I have a lot of holistic patients and sure. their next question to you would be, is it possible to change my oral microbiome in a favorable manner without your yeah. product that can reduce my chances of caries or they would take cavities? Yeah, of course. I mean, this isn't the only thing available that you could do. I mean, if, if it were me, I would have a diet that would be, like I said, rich in K, K2. I would be eating a lot of meat, um, eggs, things that are beneficial for teeth and bones. Um, vitamin D, vitamin K2. Um, I'm trying to think what else would I recommend. Where would I mean, you find a lot of leafy vitamin K2? Um, vitamin K2 is actually only found really in grass-fed animals. So okay. you're going to find that in um, grass-fed beef mainly. But you're also going to find it in um, egg yolks and stuff like that as well. How about so, butter? Um, butter as well. Yep, it's in butter. Um, and there is there is a lot of things that you can do dietarily. And actually, this kind of opens up to if you look at like the American diet versus like you know the paleo diet or some of like these diets where it's mainly meat and vegetables. I mean, you're just not seeing as much decay. Um, or at least when they're doing like, you know, historic findings, they're not seeing as much decay in those individuals. So obviously when we went to an agricultural based society, um, wheats, grains, corn, things like that, right? The thing is, is even though it changed what we're eating and it changed the rate of decay, it also changed the oral microbiome as well. 
And that's what people need to understand is we're stuck with the remnants of this agricultural problem that we produced ourselves. So keep in mind, like I said, there's epigenetics and all these other things that have influenced the biofilm that even if you were eating a perfect diet may not necessarily preclude that you're not going to get decay. Um, so it's, it's, so the way I look at diet is I look at it as a risk factor, but you know, any kind of risk factors that you can remove are obviously going to reduce your risk. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, you don't, not everybody needs to be on like a specific product or anything. And I'm not a salesman, I'm a scientist, but what I have found is that there are a good portion of people in the population who you could prevent these problems. Um, but because they just don't know about it or they, they have limited understanding of it, then they end up just continuing to get the same problem over and over. And that's, that's where my frustration came in is I would keep prescribing these fluoridated substances. And then like six months later, they'd come in and they'd still have more decay. And that was so frustrating for me. Um, so anyways, I totally agree. So I guess the segue into nanotechnology in your product, you look up online and you'll see some sources where the dangers of nanotechnology <laughs> that they're worried about those small particles are penetrating yeah. membranes of other cells and causing cancer or DNA damage. Is any of that sure. validated or just like Facebook moms? Yeah, no, it's totally valid. So the thing is, is here's what you got to understand, right? So the, the kind of chemistry that I work on is green chemistry, which means I wouldn't release anything that was toxic um, it's got to be friendly to the environment. It's got to be easily broken down. Um, it's not going to be embedding or causing DNA damage or anything like that. Okay. So when I did, um, I did two things. I did one, I did a toxicology study specifically on our nanoparticles, repeated it multiple times. Um, but specifically I tested it on human fibroblasts because those are the most sensitive cells. Okay. So fibroblasts are what cause tissue healing and they're very commonly found in the mouth. Um, and it's very, they're very easy to kill, upset, destroy. Um, for example, chlorhexidine destroys 100% of fibroblasts in a, in, a, in a Petri dish. SLS destroys 100% of fibroblasts in a Petri dish. I mean, heck, even, even uh, you get enough salt, you can destroy them. So they're very sensitive. Um, and the study that we did focused on that, and we exposed fibroblasts to our plant-based product, and we had no toxicity at all. We couldn't find a toxicity ceiling. So, you know, in the mouth, when you have your mucous membrane, that's obviously even going to be more effective than just exposing, um, you know, these, these things to human fibroblasts. But I also had a toxicology group evaluate the product and evaluate the risk for the consumer. And they basically take into account that the consumer will be swallowing 15% of whatever they use, which is a lot, by the way. Um, and they'll be using it two to three times a day for the next 50 years or something like that. And they basically made an evaluation that it was safe for use. So the thing that you have to understand is there's a lot of information about um, first and second generation nanosilver products and nanoparticle products. Um, they were made with toxic chemicals. They were made with detergents. They were made with toxic bases. All sorts of things to make them or um, produce them were from toxic substances. Um, so the big challenge and why it took me three to four years, Vince, is because I had to make something that was non-toxic and I had to only use plants. Those are like two of the hardest constrictions that you can get for nanotechnology. Um, so when I made all this stuff, we did all the testing before even we released it, anything to the market, because obviously I, you know, my name's on it. Right. Um, 
So the reality is, is making things out of plants, super difficult, but super rewarding when it works because the plant material is biocompatible and biodegradable. So the body is able to get it, break it down. And you just basically, if you were to swallow any, it's just, you just pee it out. So it's not something that is going to be getting into any membranes or causing you to turn blue or all the other problems with previous generations of silver products. So and if people, why, oh, keep going. Yeah. So if well, people listening want oh, yeah, to get this ahead, product, you're only selling to dentists, right? Uh, certain, certain items can only be sold to dentists, but okay. the other, the other general like maintenance rinses and stuff like that, we sell to everybody else. Okay. So for consumers, it's a mouthwash alternative, but you switched around like a mouthwash. Yeah. Yeah. Basically it's a mouth rinse. You just use it, you know, twice a day, 30 seconds. And, um, you know, usually morning and night is when I recommend it. If, if somebody's higher risk, they can use it. Like if they're snacking a lot, they can use it a bit more. But basically, you know, the one thing that I need to do a better job of on my Instagram specifically is talking about the differences in nano silver products because there are a lot of nano silver products that are utter, utter trash and really bad for you. Okay. But it just depends on how they're made and produced. Just like anything, right? Like if you make something from something that's not good for you, like, you know, I'm sure you've seen all this stuff about like sunscreens and stuff. And they're like, why, why are we finding benzene in our sunscreens? Like, that's a cancer causing material. The thing is, is if you produce it, what your, your input, your output's only as good as your input. So you have to produce things with, you know, um, for me, plants are my thing, but if you produce stuff with pure products and clean products and, and you know, the label is simple and easy to understand people, will people will buy it and they'll like it and they'll use it. But so, if you're making stuff that's bad for you, I mean, it's like, you know, you need a PhD to understand the label. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I need a PAC to understand you. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you? Oh, good. So I guess my question would be for the nanotechnology, how yeah. are you explaining this to the general population in a way they can understand? So I'm not the best at explaining stuff. As you can probably tell, I, I live in the clouds because I've spent too much time around it and I know how much. <laughs> um, I basically just say, look, it's made from plants. It's biodegradable and biocompatible. And I kind of leave it there. Okay. Um, that's the easiest way to explain it. And I just say, this is a newer generation of this nanomaterial that didn't exist before. And because it, we did all the research, we were able to make it with plants and that made it um, biocompatible. But certain previous generations were not. And that's what you read about online. But if you oh. were like Googling plant-based nanotechnology, it's a really exciting field because... Basically, it's all about people making non-toxic products. Okay. Um, is the FDA involved at all? Is this considered no. a drug? Mm -hmm. No. Okay. No, not a drug. We, we market as a cosmetic and then basically, yeah, like we do a bunch of research on it. We let people come to their own conclusions, essentially. Okay. Um, but yeah, no no FDA. So your, your partners are also practicing dentists? Yep. That's like yep. my favorite thing about this product is that how many times a week do you see patients? Uh, I'm there three days a week. Wow. So, I, I was thought yeah. you were gonna take one. So you're actually so people listening, Ryan is a practicing dentist and a scientist. So you have the clinical <laughs> you have like empirical evidence as a clinical science uh, practitioner and a scientist. So you see it from both angles. Yeah, that is one thing that's very cool about my job is I get to see the effects of what I'm doing. Um but I also have the clinical experience to know like, okay, like 
you know, not every, like, again, not everything's going to fit into a nice squeaky clean formula. So like you have to get creative sometimes. Right. But I think the thing is, is yeah, I get to enjoy doing both and it's not just, um, you know, not just doing research. I'm doing the clinical as well. So. Well, it's crazy that you're a dentist and you're recommending this product and you invented the product. <laughs> yeah, that can, it can be interesting. Sometimes people find out. So I always try and tell people that, Hey, this is my product or whatever, but sometimes people like come in the office and they'll just buy it. And then later on, they're like, wait, you made this? I'm like, yeah, I told you. And they're like, Oh, I didn't know. And that's well, always that's always a fun conversation to have. What I might start doing is I'm going to start telling patients I invented it, and then people can <laughs> my off. That's there insane, though. How are people not impressed by that? No, they totally are. They just yeah. don't know. Um, that's like getting the Heimlich by that one guy who invented the Heimlich. It's like if I'm going to choke, I want this guy to. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, no, it's it's definitely a lot of fun, and I get to see the best of all worlds. I feel like, um, and not just focus on one thing. So you're in a, you don't own the practice you're in. Mm-mm, no. What does your boss feel about having a someone who's smarter than him working for him? <laughs> so my boss is actually a chiropractor. So um, boss is a chiropractor. Talk, yeah. So we have a joint dental chiropractic office. So he's like really into it. Um, so yeah, I don't own the practice, but I'm an associate there, and I I really really enjoy it and. Uh, yeah, I practice ownership wasn't for me and that's okay. Like everybody's a little bit different. Um so that that gave me the time um to focus on my, you know, my brand basically. Um We got to step back a second a- here. Your chi- yeah. a chiropractor owns a dental practice? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in Utah, do you not have to be a dentist to own a practice? I think so. There's multiple owners and one of them is a dentist. So maybe okay. that's why. But like he doesn't exclusively own it. Um, wow. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't know what the rules are. Um, so if you have like a TMJ case, do you refer that to the chiropractor in the business? Yeah. I mean, it depends on the case. But yeah, he's been multiple times where he's able to help me with um, certain cases where like just issues with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's nice because I get a free adjustment every week, so I my back feels great. Um, You're probably the only <laughs> dentist that's not like slouched over. I mean, I, my my spine is a full C after no, ten years of practice. No, my spine has issues, man. I got damaged already, but I it does it does feel nice at the end of the week to get an adjustment before I go home, you know, and then I don't have to try out travel to an office. And he takes out of your paycheck, or like a friendly. No, service. I get a free. It's, <laughs> it's a perk of being an employee. Um, wow. So yeah. So then. How do you find time to run a business if you're working three days a week seeing patients? Um, yeah, great question. I mean, luckily I have partners and we all kind of divvy up the work. But, um, you know, there was a time where I was working less and working more on Elementa. Okay. So, like, there was a time when I first started it where I was like, you know, three or four days a week instead of just, you know, one or two. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're all just working and doing the best we can to keep everything running and you know, trying to hire people and figure things out. And again, you know, I'm not the only person there, but yeah, I do my best, you know. How many it's employees hard. do you have at Elementa? Uh, I mean, if I included myself, probably like six. Okay. Um, Something like that. So we're a small company. So one of the things that always shocks people is like, they'll look at our website or, or whatever. And they're like, Oh, this, this looks like a big company. It's like, no dude, you know, we've, we've really hustled and we are uh you know a small company that 
I feel like we're doing very innovative things for a small company. Let's put it that way. Yeah, um, absolutely. So yeah, but yeah, not not a huge company, but um, yeah, I'm growing it and it's fun and we're having a blast. So that's awesome, man. It's so all good. Before we end this podcast, do you know Dr. Pete Buckus? Yes. Okay, he just texted me before because he saw the Instagram post and he wanted me to ask you why your surgical rinse is better than the alternative. Um, so you're talking about like, so the alternative would be like chlorhexidine. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'll just, I'll just break this down real quick. So chlorhexidine has the problem of it's really toxic. And what I mean by toxic is it delays collagen formation. It interrupts and kills fibroblasts. It interrupts and kills osteoblasts. It interferes with, um, calcium, um, activity. It, it basically is the worst thing that you could put below a gum line. Um, and, uh, it basically interrupts. So like if you're, if you're trying to get wound healing or wound closure, it interrupts those things from happening and it will delay bone grafts from healing and all sorts of stuff. In fact, the implant company that we have will not guarantee any of its implants if you use chlorhexidine during the process. Okay. The bone graft company started sending out the same letters. So the reality is, is you need something that's going to if you want the best kind of healing, okay, you need, you need something that's going to have an anti-inflammatory like effect and you need something that's going to um, be contingent or osteogenic to bone healing. Um, and, you know, because most of the stuff that we're going to do is surgical or extractions or whatever. So the calcium that we have in the, the actual rinse um, has been shown in studies to uh, improve um the osteogenic activity of osteoblasts. So it improves what we call osteoconductivity um, and makes things more dense and um, heals faster. Um, the nanosilver has also been shown in multiple clinical studies to improve wound healing and does not interrupt fibroblasts. So the thing that I've kind of mentioned about the toxicity stuff that I was telling you um, is that uh, basically it helps with the wound healing. It doesn't interrupt it. So a lot of people have used these really heavy duty antimicrobials and they don't necessarily improve the wound healing process. And so that is the, the thing that people don't understand is just because you kill all the microorganisms, there's definitely going to be other side effects um, that come along with that. Right. So I don't you know, know if that I, answers your question or not, but yeah, for sure. And in your, everyone go to is it elementalcare.com or what's the website? Uh, it's elementasilver.com. Go to the website and look at this commercial Ryan produced because you mentioned that in your commercial. <laughs> you said using like traditional mouthwash, even chlorhexidine, is like cutting someone's leg off when they have a stubbed toe. Do you remember that in the commercial? Yep. Yeah. I so that's so. like verbatim what you just explained. Um, yeah. That's like Pete's gonna love that answer. So um, before we end this podcast, we have to get you back on. By the way, um, <laughs> can you tell people? Where to find you, like your Instagram, yeah. your OnlyFans, your website, whatever you have. Oh, man. I don't have an OnlyFans, but if I did, it would be a not, feet. Not you yet. Know <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I would hope that I could afford to, you know, get my coffee for, from that, you know? Well, um, you let, when you get that running, you let me know. Maybe I can help you out. I will. Up. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send a Patreon <laughs> or something to you, you know? Um, so, no, I um, – so my – my main thing is is my I'm very active on Instagram. Um, my Instagram is Ryan Nolan DMD. Um, so basically, that's that's where you can find me. Um, we also have our Instagram, so I think it's Elemental Oral Care on on Instagram. 
Um, and then our website's elementosilver.com. And pretty much that's where I'm at right now. I actually posted a poll earlier about whether or not I should get on TikTok, but it's been very conflicting whether people want me to do it. So so now you got to help me and, and help me decide. So I'm on TikTok. I have one follower. I find that TikTok is more Gen Z. Instagram's yes. more millennial. And Facebook right. is more boomer or Gen right. X. So right. I have no idea if Gen Z even wants t- clean teeth. So I don't know if she'd be on TikTok or not. You know, it's funny that you say that because I, I, I literally like had – some younger patients in recently and man, they do just not value dentistry at all. And I was like, Oh man, this is like such an uphill battle with these young kids. Like they don't understand that, you know, what, what they're doing to their teeth, you know, but I wouldn't say everybody's like that. You know, I don't, I don't want to be one of those guys where it's like that darn next generation always causing problems. <laughs> um, but at the same time, yeah, like I've heard TikTok can be a bit more toxic. That's for sure. Um, well, it's definitely being spied on by the Chinese government. Everything you're doing, not yeah, that I'm not Google's into that. not. Yeah, you know, so I don't need a spy balloon in front of my house. You know what I mean? Like it's got Wi-Fi and everything. It's like, oh man, I'm this is bad. You know, it's more high tech than my <laughs> dental office. <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny? It's like they they seem those balloons probably have like a nice little kitchen and everything. You'd probably you know there's a guy up there hanging out. Oh, for sure, better than this, most you know? dormitories. He's wave he's waving at you. Well, good, man. Well, we we had a little technical difficulty getting you on. Let's get you back on. Let's get the camera on that face and we'll do a part two. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I know. I'll let you know how my modeling career goes in in the meantime and uh, we'll we'll, we'll get to it. Super excited to hear about it. (laughs) All right. Great. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. Oh, yeah. Talk to you soon. Okay.